Well, I don't know whether to say Merry Christmas or Happy New Year. So, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Right. Just a few days ago was Christmas, and a few days ahead is the new year, and it's going to be 2016. I trust that you're all looking forward to the new year with, with hope and uh, promise. Today we're concluding our December message series, which I've entitled Christmas Brings Hope. And despite being inundated with negative news, seems like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, God wants us to have hope. Hope for the future, hope for the new year, hope for 2016. He wants us to have hope for ourselves, for our families, and for God's work in the world. Now, when we look at the news, when we listen to the news, we don't hear much about God's kingdom, do we? Uh, it's not part of the news, but God's kingdom is growing. It's constantly expanding. And last Sunday, we talked about uh, a child is born in a prophecy from Isaiah, Isaiah 9. I'd like us to look at Isaiah 9, verse 7 once again. Speaking of the Messiah who was to come, the prophet said, Of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And of course, Isaiah is looking ahead. We look back to Jesus coming. The prophet Isaiah was looking ahead to the Messiah coming, the child who was to be born of a virgin. And in the very first phrase of that verse, it says there will be no end to the increase of his government or his kingdom. His kingdom would continue to grow. The kingdom of God would continue to increase down through history. And that's what we see. Now, the kingdom of God consists of all believers from every nation on the face of this planet. Now, the aspect or the part of the kingdom of God that I'm most familiar with is uh, the, the believers that we are in relationship with. Life Church is part of the Assemblies of God denomination, and that is the largest spiritual denomination in the world, it has about 70 million members. And here are some of the statistics at how it is growing. It's not the, certainly the entire kingdom of God, but it is a, a, a large part of the kingdom on the earth. Every 25 seconds, a new believer is added to a church in the Assemblies of God. Every 25 seconds. There's 370,000 churches across the world. Every 50 minutes, a new church, a new Assembly of God church is planted, and every 50 minutes a new minister is enlisted. It kind of goes together. Uh, you need a pastor every time you have a church. There are churches established in 255 countries and territories across the world. We have over 2,800 full-time missionaries that are serving God, one of the largest missionary forces in the world. We just had the Spencers here who are new missionaries with the Assemblies of God that we are beginning to support. Now, in the United States, since 1960, most of the major denominations that you've heard of, uh, Episcopal, Church of Christ, Lutheran, Presbyterian, uh, they've all lost 30 to 50 percent of their, of their members. Uh, they are declining. Assemblies of God, since 1960, has grown by 515 percent, by far the fastest growth of any denomination in the United States. And so... 
we're glad to be part of that fellowship and we want to do our part right here in St. Louis to help God's kingdom expand here as it's expanding across the world. And part of a, uh, a movement here in St. Louis with the Assemblies of God, we plan to plant 20 new churches in the St. Louis area within the next two years. And so pray with us that God's will would be done with that. In the past year, from December of 2015 to December 2016, uh, Life Church itself has grown 40% in attendance. That's not reflected here this morning, but uh, <laughs> everybody's, I guess, on the holidays. But uh, we trust they will be back next Sunday. And uh, God wants our growth to continue to accelerate in the new year. And so next Sunday, we're going to begin a new message series called Believe for Greater Things. Believe for Greater Things. I'm excited about that. God wants to empower each one of us here who is a believer to reach others for him and to help expand God's kingdom in St. Louis. And God's given us a plan to do that, and that's what we're going to talk about next Sunday. But today, we're going to be talking about the topic, Nothing is Impossible. Nothing is impossible, speaking of nothing is impossible for God. Jesus said in Matthew 19.26, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are impossible. And so God wants you and me to believe as we go into this new year of 2016 that, that the things we think are impossible are not impossible for God. When God gives us something to do, when we say that's hopeless, we can't possibly do that, Things that we think are impossible are possible to God. And God wants us to learn today how he works to do impossible things and how we can participate with God in making the impossible possible. Now inside your bulletin is a white page. I'd encourage you to take it out. It has the outline as well as the verses. And you can follow along on that. On the back is uh, some study questions that you can do on your own. I don't believe... Uh, any of the life groups are meeting this week, uh, but you can do that on your own. We're going to be reading in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And so our story today is about Mary. Uh, scholars tell us she was probably in her early teens. And we don't know for sure, the Bible doesn't say, but in those days... Uh, people were betrothed in marriage at, at 14 or 15, at an early age. She lived in a small, obscure hill village, far from the capital of Jerusalem, a little place called Nazareth. Now, of course, we think Nazareth, but it was a very small place. She loved God. And from everything we can tell, Mary's biggest hopes and dreams in life were simply to get married and to have and to start a family. That's what she wanted to do, and that would be success for her. <clears throat> and God was going to fulfill those dreams, but he had plans for her life that were much, much bigger. And so God, the story begins with, who is the first person mentioned in this verse? God. God initiated, he sent an angel, he sent his angel Gabriel to meet with Mary and tell her about his plans for her life. Now, even though God had plans for her life, she probably felt pretty insignificant, and we may feel the same way. 
The angel Gabriel in verse 27 was sent to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And so I believe Mary didn't think she was out of the ordinary. She didn't think she was special. She was just had a commonplace life of a peasant girl living in a little small Jewish village. The biggest thing that had ever happened in her life was she was engaged to a good man. Everybody thought Joseph was a good man. She had done well to get engaged to him. He was from a godly family. His family traced its roots back to King David. And she might have felt insignificant. She was not aware that her life was going to be suddenly turned upside down because of God's plans for her. She felt insignificant because she was favored by God. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And so everything changed for Mary on that day that the angel appeared to her and spoke his message to her. His very first words indicated that not only was Mary favored by God, but she was, she was highly favored. God had a special plan for her life, a plan that was not for other people's lives. She was selected to carry out a very, very special plan. And today, we want to look at Mary as an example for us. Mary was, in many ways, an ordinary believer just like you and me. Mary was not a perfect person. Mary sinned. She was a godly person. Mary lived life just like you and me, she ate, she slept. She was happy sometimes, she was sad at other times. But God had a very special plan for her. Now even though Mary might have thought her life was insignificant, it turned out she would have a great place to play in God's plan to save humanity. And as Mary, we're tempted sometimes to believe our lives are insignificant, that what we do doesn't matter, that we really can't accomplish much for God. And yet God has a special plan for your life, just as he had for Mary's life. You are favored by God to carry out that plan. Now, the enemy is there to distract you from God's plan for your life. The one thing he wants is you to not carry out God's plan for your life. And so he'll try to tempt you into sin, which sin always takes you away from God's plan for your life. He might tempt you to do good things. They, they don't seem wrong in and of themselves, but they're outside of God's will for your life. They're outside of God's plan for your life. He wants to get you so busy with doing all kinds of things you don't have time to carry out God's plan. But even though you might have messed up in the past... When you're off track with God's plan, you can get back on track. God always gives people a second chance. God always has a way forward. If you're a believer here today, you're favored and blessed by God, and he has a plan for your life. Now, God may not send an angel to tell you his plans for you, but God wants you to know what his plans for your life are, and he'll make it clear. If we have ears to listen and we have a heart to obey, God will tell us what he wants us to do in our lives. Now, God's plan for our lives will always involve change. And God's change is 
is not easy. And so remember, the angel had just spoken to Mary. What was Mary's response? Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Why was Mary troubled? Well, I believe she, she felt insignificant. She didn't feel like an important person. And so why would this angel address her as highly favored? She wasn't a princess. She didn't have money. What did he mean? She'd done nothing special in her young life thus far. Perhaps Mary wondered if the angel had messed up the addresses and come to the wrong person. Maybe he wasn't supposed to meet her on the first street of Nazareth. Maybe he had supposed to have gone to the second street. So she was troubled. She was fearful. Nothing like this had ever happened to her before. And she didn't know anybody else who'd ever seen an angel. She was troubled. She wondered what this was all about. And so the plan and the change in her life that the angel was going to bring into her life were not easy. But God was faithful to explain more to Mary, to give her instructions. And so the angel said to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And so the angel calmed Mary's fears, as angels tend to do. They, the words they're first trained as they're little ain't No, I don't. The angels aren't little. Strike that from the record. The first thing God teaches the angels to say is, "Do not be afraid," because people are always afraid of them. And so the angel calmed Mary's fears and repeated, "She had found favor with God." Now, in the Greek, the word translated "favor" is from the word "grace." She was a recipient of God's grace. God had highly favored her. His grace, his favor was upon Mary's life in a special way. He had chosen her, not because of anything great that she had done, but because God had a plan and purpose for her life. And then the angel began to explain God's plan for Mary. She would become pregnant with a son, and she was to name her son Jesus. Now, the name Jesus in the, is a Greek form of the name Joshua. Joshua is a name from the Old Testament. In the Hebrew, Joshua means Yahweh saves. And so the name Jesus meant that God saves. And that was an indication of what Jesus' role would be, that he would be our Savior. God was bringing him into the world. The angel continued to explain to Mary what was going to happen. Mary was going to be used by God to expand God's kingdom. The angel spoke more of this son she would have in verse 32, saying, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And so by now it was beginning to dawn on Mary that this son that she was going to have would not be an ordinary baby boy. Uh, this would be an unusual son. This would be a special son. He would be called great and be called the very son of God. He would be a king. He would reign forever. His kingdom would never end. And so Mary's little mind now was just completely blown. 
because this son obviously could not simply be a human baby. No human could reign forever in a kingdom that would never end. And so God's plan for Mary was to help in expanding and building the kingdom of God. You see how, God, how Mary's dream for herself and God's plan came together. Mary wanted to get married and have a family. But God's plan for Mary was to have a family, to get married and have a family, but to have a son who would be a very special child, who would help, uh, who would be the king of the kingdom, who would be the king of kings and lord of lords. And so what God was asking of Mary would not be easy. In fact, in other gospels, we're told that Mary, it was revealed to Mary that because of her son, a sword would pierce her own soul when her own son was put to death on that cross and she watched him being killed. It was not easy being the mother of Jesus. But yet the word of the angel gave Mary hope that even when it came to that point and she saw the son die, she knew that her son would be raised back to life again, once again, to carry out the word of God that had come to her as a young girl through the angel Gabriel. Every believer, I believe, in their heart of hearts wants to be used by God, wants God to use them for his plan and purpose. And yet we tend to resist change. We want to be blessed. Who here wants to be blessed by God? That's a good thing, isn't it? We all want to be blessed. And it's good to want to be blessed, but sometimes we resist participating in God's plan because participating in God's plan means that there's going to be change in our lives. There might be some pain involved. But if you want to be blessed, you have to follow God's plan for your life, as Mary did. Nothing will get better in your life. The blessing of God is not going to come without changing from following your plan to following God's plan for your life. And God's plan for our lives, for each one of our lives, is not just about blessing us. It's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's about expanding God's kingdom. And when we cooperate with God in his plan, when we help him expand his kingdom, then the blessing of God comes into our lives. And so this next year, 2016, is a new year. God wants to ask each of us the question, are you ready to follow God's plan for the new year? That's what spiritual growth is all about, following God's plan. And as we follow God's plan, God has increased blessing for us. Embracing that change is what God asks of us so that we can be used to expand his kingdom. So I'd encourage you this week, the last week of 2015, to begin to pray and say, God, I know you've got plans for me in 2016. I know your plans for me in 2016 are not just what I've been doing in 2015, but something more, something greater. You want to bring change into my life so that I can receive greater blessing from you. You want to use me in a greater capacity to expand your kingdom. Please show me, God, what your plans for my life are in the new year. And give me a heart to follow those plans so that you can use me in greater ways in 2016 than you did in 2015.
The next thing we learn from Mary's example is that we can do nothing in our own strength. So the angel had just told her all these things that were going to happen. And Mary had a question for the angel in verse 34. She said, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And so God's plan didn't make sense to Mary. She was an intelligent girl. She knew things didn't work this way. See, how can this be? I understand how things work, um, but I don't understand your plan, God. I don't believe Mary was doubting the angel's word. She was just trying to figure out how this could possibly happen. She wanted to know how God's plan was going to be carried out. Now, the principle we learned from Mary here is that God's plan couldn't be carried out with the, way, with the human way of working. It didn't work. Mary understood that. The only way God's plan could be carried out was supernaturally, in God's strength, not her strength. She couldn't carry out God's plan for her life. And there's a lot of people who, when they hear of God's plan for their life, they go, that's impossible. How can this be? It's not going to work. I can't do that. That's never been done before. And they quit right there. That's where a lot of people give up. But the angel explained to Mary how something she thought was impossible would be possible. He said, the Holy Spirit will empower you. The angel answered Mary's question in verse 35. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so the Holy Spirit is the empowering member of the Trinity. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each of them eternal, without beginning, without end. And the Holy Spirit is the empowering person of the Trinity. And so in Mary's life, the angel said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and bring about this conception of her special son. And her child, Jesus, would be called Holy. And he would be named the Son of God. He would have no, humans, no human father. And so Mary's son, conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit, would be both fully human because of Mary and fully divine because of the Holy Spirit. Fully man and fully God at the very same time. And the angel went on to explain that nothing is impossible with God. Verse 36. The angel said, even Elizabeth... Your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. A couple Sundays ago, we talked about the angel Gabriel appearing to Zechariah, announcing the conception of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born of a human mother and a human father. What was so special about the birth of John the Baptist? It was he was born to a mother long past Normal childbearing years. She was very old. It was a miracle. Normally this stuff didn't happen. And yet God made it possible. The conception of John was another miraculous birth. And John the Baptist became a prophet who prepared the way for Jesus, who announced and prepared the way for Jesus' ministry. And so the angel said, Mary, I did it for Elizabeth. God did it for Elizabeth. He did something impossible. And he can do the same for you. 
Even though this is outside the realm of human possibilities, God can do the impossible. Nothing limits God's power. And so we must trust in God and His plan. Verse 38 records Mary's response. The angel says, For nothing is impossible with God. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And so Mary had no more questions. The angel had answered her questions. She believed the word of God that had been spoken to her through the angel Gabriel. And she identified herself as the Lord's servant. She said, I am the Lord's servant. She believed the word of God that God had spoken to her. And she humbly submitted to serve God and his plan for her life no matter what it took. And so she said, may everything that you've said to me come true. She embraced God's plan for her life. She didn't doubt it. She didn't reject it. She embraced it. She didn't understand, I don't believe at this point, everything that was going to happen, but she trusted God to bring it to pass. She believed God. And she showed great humility. She identified as a bondservant of the Lord. And so God's plans for our lives cannot be accomplished in our own strength with our own abilities. And so many people, when they sense God's plans, they just seem too big. They seem too impossible. They seem beyond the realm of what they could possibly do. And people tend to say, I can't do that. People tend to say, I've never done that before. They might even say, I don't want to do that. And it may be true that you can't do that. It may even be true that you don't want to do that. But if that's God's plan for your life, that's God's best for your life. And God can help you to do the impossible. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now that everything is everything that God wants you to do. Not anything you might want to do. Some people take that verse a little out of context. It's like, if I want to do this, then God's going to help me do this. No, if God wants me to do something, then he'll give me the strength to do what he wants me to do. And it's wise to want to do the things that God wants us to do in our lives. And so you and I can carry out God's plan for our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that we can do it. Do you want to know God's plans for your life in the new year? Okay. 20%. Okay. Do you want to know God's plans for your life in the new year? Okay. 70%. It's good. The rest of you, you do want to know. Some people, I'm not sure. Because what if he wants me to do something I don't want to do? Well, we want to know what God wants us to do, and then we want to change our hearts to embrace what God wants us to do, because God's plans for our lives are perfect. They're the best thing you could possibly have. God wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to be happy. And he wants you to expand his kingdom. He wants you to represent him in the world. If you want to know God's plans for your life in the new year, are you ready for growth and change? Because you're going to have to grow. 
to accomplish God's plans in the new year. And God wants you to aspire to grow in Him. He wants you to aspire to grow in your faith. And that growth involves change. How many people love change? I don't mean the change in your pocket. I mean change in your lives. We should embrace change. Sometimes we become resistant to change. We get kind of stuck in our ruts. We like doing the way we've always done things before. But if we keep doing things the way we've always done them before, is the blessing of God going to increase in your life? No. You're going to have to change for that to happen. And so, as we look at Mary's example this morning, it's good for us to say, I am the Lord's servant. To say to him, I am the Lord's servant for you, God, in 2016. I want to serve you in the new year. I know that's going to involve change. I know that's going to involve maybe some hardships. I know it's going to involve learning something new. But I want to do what you have for me to do because I know that's the best. And as a believer, you are my Lord. And so that's what I do. I serve you. Whatever you want. If you say go to the right, I'll go to the right. If you say go to the left, I'll go to the left. And we would like to say along with Mary, may your plan for my life come true. May everything you want me to do, may it happen in this new year in 2016. And so today we've learned, hopefully from the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, that God has planned plans for our life, just as he had a plan for Mary's life. Those plans involve expanding God's kingdom. It's not all about us. Some people get mixed up. God, what are your plans for my life? New car, new job, some more recreation time, a vacation to the Bahamas, I don't know. But God's plans for your life, maybe that's in God's plans for your life. Maybe not, probably not. But God wants you to expand his kingdom, and as you Grow in expanding his kingdom as you grow in God using you to accomplish his purposes. God's going to give you the resources to carry out his plan, whatever they may be. He's going to give you a job, helps you take care of your family and expand his kingdom. He's going to give you everything you need to carry out those plans. You're not going to be able to carry out God's plans in your own strength. And so when you start to get wind of what God wants you to do in this new year and you say, you begin to realize, I can't do that, that's okay. That's a good place to be, because if you think, I can do that, I can do everything I think God's telling me to do, then you haven't heard the fullness of God's plan for your life. When you get to the point, I can't do that, God, that's a good point to be at. You say, God, I need you. God, I need your power. I need you to do the impossible, because I can't do that. And God desires to empower you through his Holy Spirit to carry out his plans to do bigger things than you ever dreamed you could do in your own life. And so let's remember, nothing is impossible with God. With God, all things are possible. Whenever you get your head and it feels like you're beating your head against the wall, 
things aren't working out, say, God, nothing is impossible with you. You're going to help me make it through. This morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer, I want to give you an opportunity to become a believer in Jesus Christ. You don't become a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, by simply believing in God. The devil believes God exists. I mean, that's just a fact. To believe in Jesus Christ is to entrust your life to Him. You aren't a believer because you were baptized. You aren't a believer because you're a good person. You're better than the person next to you. You become a believer by admitting that you've sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Secondly, by believing in Jesus Christ and trusting your life to Him to forgive your sins and finally committing your life to following Jesus as your Lord. That means doing what He says in His Word and as He instructs you by His Holy Spirit. So to become a believer and have Jesus as your Savior, He must be your Lord. Uh, you can't say, Jesus, save me from my sins. I want to go to heaven and I want to live my life the way I want to. It doesn't work that way. A lot of people try that. They're not saved. You become saved by submitting to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. God knows what your heart is. And so I just encourage you to pray along with me something like this. Say, Father, today. I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've had plans for my life that had nothing to do with you. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, took my sins upon himself, that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I submit my life to you to follow you as my Savior and Lord. What you say I will do from this day forth. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who... Our believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have a wonderful plan for my life. You have a wonderful plan for each person's life here today. And God, today I say I am willing to change in order to follow that plan. I lay my life on the line and I say, God, whatever you want to do with me, I give my life to you. I want to do my part in expanding your kingdom, whatever that takes. Forgive me for following my own plans for my life, for getting sidetracked from your plans. I ask for your power in my life, in this new year, to strengthen me to carry out your plan. Help me not to get distracted to the right or to the left, or just simply doing nothing. I believe that I can do everything you ask me to through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through me. And so I ask you, God, show me your plans for my life in 2016. I trust you with my life. I choose to believe you for greater things in 2016 for myself and for our church and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.